Sport has the power to change the world. Welcome to Telemann Football Stories. My name is Boise Kumalo and my guest today is Walter Sampson, who is a director of coaching at Plymouth Rain in Michigan. In today's episode, Walter talks about growing up in Liberia, playing indoor soccer, and coaching in college. Walter, how you doing, man? Great, man. I can't complain. I'm yes. fine. How about you? I'm good. Thanks, man. I wanted to do this little podcast with you just to find out uh, about your, your your soccer background, um, and I know you're currently a coach. Where are you coaching now? Plymouth Rain, actually. I, I've been with Plymouth for about 14 years now, believe it or not. Uh, wow. You treat me well, and I enjoy my time there, so that's where I'm at. Making the big bucks, I see. <laughs> I, I wish, man. I wish, <laughs> Boise. Uh, I'm not like you guys where they had to rush, where, where the money's coming in, you know, but yeah. we do all right. Yeah, that's good to hear. Let's backtrack a little bit, man. Uh, where in Africa are you from? I'm from Liberia, man. I, I like to call it the uh, the biggest, smallest country <laughs> on the west coast of Africa. Yeah. Um, and I also like to call it the, the richest, poorest country as well, where we're so rich in natural resources, but economically very, very poor. But it's home, and I, and I love it, man. Um, right on the Atlantic Ocean. How often do you go back home? I try to get back once a year. Um, obviously, due to COVID this past uh, year, I didn't go back, but I always try to go back for at least a couple of weeks once a year. Hmm. What was it like growing up in Liberia, man? Man, you know, you're, you're triggering some memories here, man. Uh, <laughs> That's what the know, podcast I, is about. I'm, I'm telling you, man, as a kid growing up in Liberia, it's, it's, it was like a, a paradise. Uh, for me, growing up there, um, you know, you, everything you wanted was there. And, and when I say wanted, you don't want, you don't want a lot of things, but what you need was there, you know, family, friends, uh, sports, uh, it, it, it was, it was great. I, I cannot put it in words how, how much I miss, uh, my earlier years in the country for sure. So did you play soccer growing up in, uh, Liberia? I did. Uh, never, never organized. Uh, I was never a part of a, a team. Uh, I always played with uh, the guys in the neighborhood. Um, was never actually coached ever uh, playing over there. Just, just, just street balling, man. Uh, I'm sure you know how it is yes. back in, in, in South Africa. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely played play some soccer. I did some basketball as well, but soccer was the sport. Nice. So when you say it was not organized, nobody coached you, who organized it then? Just the local kids? Yeah, just the local kids, your neighbors, you know. Uh, you get some guys together to play the other neighborhoods and you play other other cities, but we never really had uh, a coach. Uh, we never even had jerseys, man. We, we <laughs> dye our white shirts, whatever colors we can, and we, we play. We patch up uh, old soccer balls and blow it up with our mouth, put some air in it. And, and we just play, man. And at the time, we didn't know any better. We thought it was the best, best uh, situation for us. Now, like now, growing up playing in the street, and now as a as a as a coach, do you think it's good to to coach kids at the young age? I'm speaking from five to about nine. Do you think those guys need to be coached? Because listening to you, you didn't have a coach. You just played, and you became a decent player. 
right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important to coach the young ones, but I guess you can define coaching at that age a lot of different ways. Um, I mean, you, you don't want to overcoach them. Uh, you don't want to give them too much instructions. Uh, you, you want to help them out when they need it, but at the end of the day, you just want them to play, man. Let them play, let them be creative, let them have their own imaginations. Um, but I think at that age group, just playing is the best teaching uh, teacher uh, at, this, at that age group. Yeah, and it's all about having fun with the young ones, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you cannot take that component out of it. They want to enjoy it. They want to chase the ball around. They just, they just want to have a good time. So you just got to be careful how much coaching you do at that, at that age group, at that early age group. Now, now sure. you growing up, did you have any role models that you looked up to, soccer players or no? Yeah, man. Uh, at the time I was growing up, the biggest name in Africa was George Weah. I know all the librarians, all the librarians. Yeah, you, you, you already know, man. That was the biggest <laughs> name. He was he was at his peak, his prime. So we always try to mimic him. Uh, he had some flair to his game. He he was big, fast, and strong, and also had some technical skills. I mean, he he was uh, you know the, the second thing to God in Liberia at the time for sure. And right now he's currently like a president, right? Or no? Yes, yes. He is going into his second, maybe third year as a, as the president of the country. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this one. I think he won the uh, African Football of the Year. Uh, Several times. Yeah. And, and the Ballon d'Or, they That's call right. it now. Yep, yep. And then FIFA Player of the Year, for sure, he did. And I think the only thing he did not accomplish was taking his home country to the World Cup. But I think every individual accolades out there he he won as a player now let me ask you this one man he, he's got a kid uh who currently plays for the u.s national team and uh he played for liberia what's your take on uh having his kid play for the u.s country when he's a president of liberia <laughs> oh man that, that's an interesting question um you know I think it's their choice. You got to do what's best for your family. Uh, as a Liberian, I uh, I will say I wish that his boy would have played for our home country, but uh, the kid is an American. You know, he was he was uh, he was born here, and you know he he chose to play for the U.S. I'm not gonna I'm I'm a, I'm a U.S. citizen as well. I'm not gonna fault his decision. I think that's a decision that he thinks is best for him. So I support I support it either way. So sure. you you would let your kids play for for the U.S. national team rather than Liberia? I will let my kid kid make his own decision. Um, now I will put both circumstances on the table. I will tell him my my view, <laughs> but ultimately I will let him select who he wants to play for. It's his career, not mine. Nice. Man. <laughs> when did you move to the U.S.? Uh, I moved here in 1998, man. We, uh, we had several years of civil war in Liberia. Yes. Uh, during those times, I had to bounce back and forth through different countries uh, just to survive. Uh, eventually, we were able to um, get political asylum to come to this country. So my family and I moved here uh, late 1998. Um, here in Michigan, as a matter of fact. Oh, so you moved straight to Michigan? Yeah, yeah, I moved straight here. And a week later, I had to start uh, my freshman year of high school. So it was a huge, huge cultural change for me at the time. 
difficult times for me back then, for sure. You, you spoke a, a little bit about bouncing around. What countries did you bounce around at in Africa? Uh, well, I was in the Ivory Coast for a little bit. Um, I, I spent a few years in, in, in uh, Danane and then I started studio in Abidjan. I bounced around there. I spent uh, a year in, in Ghana, a um, couple of weeks in Sierra Leone, uh, just on the west coast of Africa, just trying to avoid uh, being recruited to, to fight in a war that I really didn't understand. So just moving around trying to be safe. It's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. Life, life, uh, life in my early, uh, my, my early teens were very interesting. Um, they didn't have school for close to five years, man. Just, just, just relying on God's grace, so to speak, to survive. So, so what did you do without school then? What, what did your parents have you doing? Well, it's, it's really wasn't much you could do. School was not in session. I mean, there was people were fighting the civil war. So you, you at that point, you're looking for ways to survive, trying to find food. Um, we got eventually displaced out of our home. So we had to find shelter as well. Um, so school, school wasn't as important as surviving at the time. So it wasn't an option at all. And, and uh, you moved to the States. Of course, you, you talked a little bit about you came here, you became a student. Yes. How, important, how important is, is the education to you now? now that's Extremely you know, important. I had it back in the day. Extremely important. You're talking to a guy who, prior to moving to the States, the last uh, grade that I accomplished was the fifth grade. And then when I got here, I had to be in the ninth grade right away. So you're talking about somebody who didn't have a chance to go through. So school was very difficult for me, you know. What, you know, most things that would take somebody an hour to understand, I have to spend at least three hours on it simply because I didn't have that root uh, in my education. Uh, but you know, as, as time went by, I, I I was able to make it through. Uh, it was difficult, but um, I had a lot of support around me with my family, a lot of good friends as well. Uh, it it, uh, it worked out for the best. Now, how, how was the transition coming from Liberia, moving around in West Africa, and then you come into the U.S., uh, you know, everything is English, the food, yeah. the culture, everything is just different. How was that transition? It was definitely a cultural shock. Like I said, I moved to this country, and then within a week, I had to start school. Within a week. So I didn't even have time to adjust whatsoever. Uh, within a week, I started school and, and being in the school at the time, I went to school in Dearborn Heights uh, in Michigan. And um, I think my sister and I were the only two African-American in the school at the time. Yeah. So you come from a place where you see your brothers and sister very often. <laughs> like, what's going on here? I, I, what, so it, it was it was it was interesting. I had to adjust and I had to adjust quickly for sure. Now, when you moved here, then did you also play soccer or no? I did. So soccer was my way of um, socializing. Uh, so when I moved here, I immediately tried out for the soccer team, and I met a lot of a lot of good people, a lot of good friends. Uh, I had a good coach for the first time I was actually being coached to play um, soccer. So soccer was my way of coping with uh, with the culture. Uh, you know, when I don't have school. I'm playing soccer. The soccer that you play, was this high school soccer or was this club soccer? 
High school soccer. Uh, I did not play club soccer. Uh, you know, my my African mother did not understand why she has to pay money for me to <laughs> to play soccer. So it wasn't happening for me. So it was just high school soccer in the fall, and I was on my own after that. <laughs> Speaking about your mom uh, asking why she should play, what's your take on uh, paying to play system? Whew, man, that's uh, that's another interesting question when you're talking to a guy who makes his living uh coaching club soccer uh you know there 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 are some that this is a a whole new can of worms that we're trying to open here uh i think that there there are ways around it where you could pay maybe less to play um but that that would take a lot of restructuring and something that I, I guess I'm not prepared to go too much into, but that, that's a system that, that needs to be looked into for sure. Right. So uh, when you were in high school, did you get any chance to, to get looked at by uh, college coaches, um, you know, to go to college? Cause as you know, the American system right after high school players are looking to go to, to, to college, to, to get an education and also to get a scholarship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wasn't really sought after in high school. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, Boise, my, my goal was immediately after high school, I was going to join the military. That was my goal. So I didn't have any, you know, I wasn't expecting to, to play college soccer. It wasn't, it's a crazy story, really, how I, how I got a scholarship to play college soccer. And I'll tell you, um, so I spent my first two years after high school, my first two years of college, I played at Schoolcraft College. Uh, and the way I got into Schoolcraft College is uh, I was meeting my recruiter at the, at, at the college. And I saw some guys playing on the field. And of course, I have my soccer stuff in my car with me all the time. So I put it on and I jumped on the field and started playing. And next thing you know, coach is talking to me. What are you doing here? Oh, yeah, I'm meeting my recruiter. And I'm just wasting some time. He's like, what, what are you trying to do? I said, well, I'm getting ready to go to the uh, military. And he asked me why. And I said, well, because if I go to the military, I can get money to pay for college. And then he said, how about I give you money to go to college? And then I said, well, yeah. I said, you got yourself a deal. If you're going to pay for my education, I'll definitely play. And that's how we started, man. Uh, Who was the coach? The late Van Dimitrio was the head coach at Schoolcraft College. And at the time, Dominic Sukuna and the Sukuna family uh, were the assistant coach at Schoolcraft College. Uh, and, uh, you know, Van passed away a couple of weeks into the season. Dominic took over. And that's to say the rest is history. I played at Schoolcraft for a couple of years and got another uh, additional scholarship to play on Madonna for my next two years. So very lucky. What type of grades did you have uh, in high school and then going into college? Because as you said, you came from Africa. You were not, you know, going to school, fifth grade, straight to ninth grade. Yeah. What type of grades did you have in school, man? So my, my grades was good. My grades were three, 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 four. For me, that's pretty good, all things considered. Um, and I think I maintained that all the way through college. And I had to work pretty hard. For that, uh, my my mother made sure that in addition to the extracurricular activities, 
that I will have to retain a good grades uh, in high school and through college. So yeah, I, I worked pretty hard to maintain that. And to some people that might be, oh man, three, 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 four, that's not a, that's not a big deal. For me, it was, because I, I had to put in the time to get it. So yeah. it was decent. 2.1 was a big deal to me back in college. <laughs> exactly, right? That's what you needed to be able to play anyways. Yeah. So yeah. I know you keep talking about your mom here. How important was it for you to have that support from your parents to, to kind of push you to, to, to take school serious? Yeah, I mean, she's, she's, uh, she was huge on education. And my father, too, before he passed away. My mom was, you know, she, she worked extremely hard to get us here. And she was not going to let her hard work go to waste. So she definitely pushed education on me and my, my siblings. You know, there's eight of us in my family. Um, it's a big family. And she made sure that all of us, you know, had a chance to go to to, to college. So it was just, it was very important for 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 me to have her, uh, you know, in my corner, uh, encouraging me and, and all that. Yeah, that's good to hear, man. So after school craft, where did you go? Right down the street of Madonna, <laughs> <laughs> where where you currently work, and. and uh, I transferred there. So I said, I played for Dominic Sakuna for two years at Schoolcraft. Yes. And then Tino Sakuna, who's a younger brother, uh, was coaching at Madonna. So it was a pretty easy transition for me. Um, so I spent my next two years playing for, for Tino and uh, Runtick. Was there any uh, difference between uh, Schoolcraft and Madonna, school wise and soccer wise? School wise, no. Um, I would say the only difference school-wise is when you get into your junior year, you have to start making up your mind, right? What do you want to do when you graduate college and all that? So yeah, from that standpoint, I started to take things a little bit more serious now because I had two more years to play soccer and then I have to start my quote-unquote career. So that was the difference school-wise. Soccer-wise, uh, the brothers were different. They're a different individual. One of them is free spirit. The other one is pretty structured. So at Schoolcraft, we play free-flowing soccer, right? Uh, we call it total soccer at the time. Whereas at Madonna, there was a system and you had to play within that system. So a little different. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I got to experience both though. Uh, they were both unique. Did you graduate from Madonna? I did. I graduated from Madonna with a marketing degree uh, in 2006, actually. Um, so yeah, I, I do have a college diploma. <laughs> So now, are you using the, the marketing di diploma? I did for a month after I graduated. <laughs> and then I decided I'm not ready to get into corporate America. Yeah, I want to continue to play soccer. So I, I, I went and chased my dream of becoming a professional soccer player. <laughs> okay, so I did use it. Yeah. So when you were young, you always saw yourself as a professional player? Oh, man. Yes. Yes. I always saw myself as a, as a George Weah. <laughs> uh, when I was younger, you know, I, I always saw myself playing, just playing. To be honest with you, it, it wasn't the, the, the professional side of things, just the fact that I can play. Uh, but then when you got older, you realize that you can actually make a living playing soccer. And then you say, well, then this is something I want to do. Um, so, yeah, so after college, I spent a month working for Coca-Cola and I realized that I don't want to be, I'm not ready for that. I want to continue playing soccer and I'm going to find a way to do it So opportunity presented itself and I took it. Well, where did you go to play professional soccer? So after I got out of, after I got out of college, um, 
a month after I graduated college, there was a new indoor team starting here in Detroit called the Detroit Ignition. Uh, so I tried out for that team uh, and made it, believe it or not. Um, nice. And I, uh, I played for them for three, four years here in Detroit and probably the best experience of my life. As a young kid, just graduated college, had a chance to play professional soccer and make a living doing that. I mean, you could never predict that this would happen for me. Now, how much did those guys make playing indoor soccer? You don't have to tell me the, the, the budget, no, but was no, it good I, money I, or bad money? So it depends who you are, right? I mean, I, I, as a rookie, I'll tell you how much money I was making as a rookie. I mean, it's not a secret. Indoor soccer <laughs> during my time wasn't great. As a rookie, I was only making 1500 bucks a month as a rookie playing indoor soccer. However, they gave you an apartment fully furnished to live in. And you don't have to pay for, <laughs> for that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, again, I don't have any expenses as a, as a, as a young guy, right? And... I don't have any quote unquote bills to pay. So I thought I was in heaven, um, you know, but by the time I was, I was done playing, I, I mean, I was making close to what a school teacher would make a year playing indoor soccer. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I guess if you perform well throughout your, your career, uh, you, you're making money playing indoor soccer for sure. And there were some guys who did both guys will play indoor in the winter and then when the season ends they transition to play outdoor soccer so they play year-round and to support themselves and their families did you do the same or no i did it for one year um you know i my body would not allow me to do it for more than one year <laughs> <laughs> i needed breaks in between so i did it for one year and then i realized maybe i'll just stick to indoor uh wasn't ready to do all that at that time well, where did you go to play outdoor soccer then Charlotte, I played for the Eagles, man. I um, I played for the Eagles in 2007. And I want to say that team actually was probably one of the best team and not 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 uh, soccer wise, but as individuals, the, the individuals that were on that team, they were all good people. And I feel like I surrounded myself with a lot of quality men. And I enjoy my time in Charlotte, not to mention Charlotte was a great city too. Uh, but yeah, it, it was uh, just one season, but one good season in Charlotte. Who was coaching at the time? Mark Stephens. Uh, <laughs> he's been there for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where he's at now. I think he's still there. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think uh, he might be front office now. Uh, I think they're PDL now too. Before they were USL, now I think they're PDL. But Mark Stephens was the guy there. Yeah. Good man. Good man. Good man. Now, what was the difference between playing outdoor soccer and indoor soccer? Is there a difference? Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, other than the obvious difference with this, this pitch size and the rules, um, I think the fitness is a bit different. Indoor soccer, you're going 90 to 100 miles an hour every single time, right? Yeah. Um, I like to say outdoor soccer is actually soccer is the game. Indoor soccer is just an extension of the game, so to speak. Um, but for me, when somebody talks about soccer, the first thing that comes to mind is 11 v 11, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, other than that, it, it was fine. Um, other than the basic. 
So, so how long did you play indoor and outdoor soccer for? Uh, I played indoor for six years, and I think I tore my Achilles. Mm. I think that that forced me to to stop, and I played outdoor soccer for maybe two or three years um, during that time. So overall, I played from two thousand and six to about two thousand and twelve both indoor and outdoor uh, soccer. Are you still active playing now or no? No, I'm officially retired, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> the, the body says it's done. The mind wants to do it, but the body is saying, you know, if you want to be able to wake up and, and go do your job next day, you should probably find some another hobby. No, I don't play anymore, Boise. I'm not like you, man. You're still going strong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try, man. I try, but my knees... Yeah, when yeah. I get home, I'm like, why did I kill myself? Why did I do that exactly? And I'm I'm done asking myself that question. Yeah. <laughs> why did I do that? <laughs> when did you get into coaching? Uh, I got into coaching around the same time I started playing professionally. Um, you know, when you're playing professionally, you have training in the morning, and then you have the rest of your day without anything to do unless you have a game, right? So I I started training with the Plymouth Soccer Club at the time uh, as just a trainer, not a coach. So I would go to run a training session. Uh, and then I realized that, you know, this is this is actually pretty good. Um, and I spent some time coaching with my college coaches who actually hired me to coach some of their teams on the east side. And I fell in love with it. I started getting my licensing, my licenses. And um, I realized that when I'm done playing professional soccer, this is what I want to do instead. Uh, be a coach, uh, you know, especially in the youth level. Yeah. So how important is it to you for, for the young coaches to, to get your coaching license? Extremely important. It's extremely important. I mean, it's, um, you know, a lot of people think that coaching is easy, especially those who play, right? If you play before, you play at a high level or a decent level, the assumption is that I, I can, I can coach this. I can coach soccer because I played the game. I understand the game, but now, there's an art to it. You have to understand how to teach individual kids because their needs are different, right? You got to learn how to approach each, each of those kids in a different way. So it's important for you to get your education because they, they will teach you how to teach your kids how to play the sport. No, that's interesting. You put it that way, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, you, you have to. You have to get qualified to, to do a good job. So you also coach at the college level. Um, I think you coach at Mary Grove. You coach the, the the women, and you also coach the men's team, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. So um, one of my teammates with the Ignition in our later years uh, got the head coaching job at Mary Grove College, and he asked me to come on and be his assistant coach. Uh, so I did. Uh, Matt Johnson, I'm not sure if you know who that is. Uh, incredible, know, incredible guy. So yeah, I follow Matt to uh, Marigold and we were there for close to 10 years, man. We, we coached there for 10 years. Uh, and within that 10 years, I left him on the men's side and I took over the women's side uh, until the university decided to close its doors. Uh, and now I am at U of M Dearborn on the men's side. I just started it maybe last year or two years ago. I, I keep skipping 2020 because 2020 <laughs> is a terrible year. Um, 
but yeah, I enjoy I enjoy being in the college scene. It's a little different than being in the youth scene, right? Um, but it, it's been fun, man. This 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 journey has been pretty good. Now you coach both males and females. Is there yes. any difference coaching those genders? Yeah, I mean, obviously there there there's always a difference when you're coaching boys and girls and males and uh, men and women. Um, obviously the boys are more athletic than the girls, so you have to find a different ways to compensate for that lack of athleticism, so to speak. Um, it, it's just a little different, uh, but to be honest with you, if your philosophy to the game, if you're true to it, you can get a male or a female team to play the way you want them to play. Right. So uh, what's your take on, uh, there's another conversation that happened a few years ago and the conversation is still happening now that uh, female players should be paid the same as male players. What's your take on that? Wow. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm going to get in trouble for this one, but um, I think female players should get paid in a way where, <laughs> how do I say this? What's equal is my question. You know what I'm saying? They should get compensated for the job that they're doing, whatever they think they need to be compensated for but they also need to be realistic in their demands. And I don't want to sound like they don't deserve, of course they deserve their fair share, uh, but it's a lot that goes into that conversation that needs to be, that still needs to, uh, to be determined. You know, I'll leave it at that. All right, let, let, let's leave it at that. We don't want to get it too hot in here. No, I, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble with some of my players, you know. Coach Sampson, why are you saying this about women's soccer players? I don't want to do all of that. Right. So <laughs> you, at, at the college level, you talked a little bit that you are a Michigan Dearborn. Yeah. When you recruit, do you recruit outside of the, the, the country or you just stay local? I stay local. Uh, I am a firm believer that we have a lot of local kids here uh, that, that, you know, that we can recruit to, to put together a decent squad. Um, and also, I think um, I work in youth soccer here in, in you know, in, in Metro Detroit. Uh, you know, I'm a youth soccer coach. And some of the messages to our boys is that, look, if you want to play college soccer, you got to do this and this. So it would be a bit hypocritical for me to skip some of these kids here and go directly international. I don't have anything against international, but I'm happy with the local guys that I've recruited so far. And I will continue recruiting locally for as long as I, I give them Dearborn. Yeah. Well, let me put you on the spot here. Yeah. Me and you, me and you are both Africans. Yeah. Um, as you know, kids in Africa, they want to go straight to pro. Yeah. Uh, as a coach, wouldn't you think it would be best to kind of help some of the kids back home that are looking for opportunities or, or, or on the school side of things, because not everybody's gonna go pro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm thinking, uh, because I know I do it myself, I always look, hey man, maybe we could help a guy from back home, give him a different look and change his life. You ever think that way? Yeah, I, I have really. Um, I haven't, you know, thought about 
changing their lives in ways where I can get them to go pro because I don't think I have the power to do that. Um, I can only do so much. Uh, but the one thing that you know I've done is if a kid reaches out to me, I have to be honest with them and say, look, I cannot do what you're asking me to do. I can point you in a direction and you, you know, maybe you can, you can carry yourself, but it's, it's not, I, I don't, I don't take them for a ride trying to pretend that I'm able to help them when I can't. It's, nice. there's so many kids that are trying to get, you know, scholarship to play ball here and eventually go pro. But there's also so many kids currently in this country that is trying to play pro as well. So it, it's just, it, it's just tough. Um, and and I, I wish there was a better way to explain it, a better way to help them, but I, I just don't know how. How important is it for you to, to be uh, honest with the players? Oh, it's extremely important. Um, I, I like people to be honest with me. So I think it's important I'm honest with, with players as well. Like I said, you don't want to drag a player on with something that you cannot give, right? So honesty is extremely important. Um, I think it's very important that I'm honest with them. Yeah, that's good to hear, man. And you also, uh, in the summer, you coach a female's team in Ann Arbor. Yeah. Ann Arbor FC Lumberjills. Yeah. How, how you say it? The Lumberjills. How, how, right. how, how did that move come about? Uh, again, you meet so many people in the soccer world, man. And, and Casey Bento, good friend of mine, you know, decided that he wanted to put together a male and a female uh, WPSL team together. And he just asked me to come on and see if I can coach a women's team. And of course, I, you know, I don't have much going on in the summer. And again, I'm a soccer junkie. So I say, <laughs> absolutely, Casey, I'm, I'm, I'm in. So, I, yeah, I did that for, for a couple of years. Uh, unfortunately, again, we didn't play this season due to COVID, but, you know, it was, it was different because now you're coaching uh, college kids, so college players from different backgrounds and different levels that you're trying to bring together to play in a competitive league, probably the most competitive league that is not professional in the country. I don't know if I should say last question because I feel like I should keep asking you a bunch of questions here, man. Let's go, man. I got time, Boise. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, I'll give you two more questions here. Let's do um, it. With everything that's going on uh, in the country, uh, I mean, all over the world, people taking the knee, uh, Black Life Matters. Um, what's your take on that? Well, how would you address that to, to some of your players? That's a very important question. Um, as far as the movement goes, I, 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 I do believe in the BLM movement. I, I think I have been a part, I should say, I've been a victim of the specific issue. So I do know how important it is. Um, now there are other people out there that are taking this movement to a different level that I don't agree with. But I think the actual cause is important for people to understand that African-American males are being, how do I say this? Are being determined to be, they're determined to be criminals before they're, they're even, before you even get to know them, if you know what I'm trying to say. 
right in this country and i think i think a lot more people need to know about this movement because it's it's an important issue that we need to continue to talk about and 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 let me say this too i believe in that movement but i also believe and support uh men and women of you know our police force you know what i'm saying and some people are thinking that it's not possible to support both and i'm saying oh yes it is it's very possible to 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 back both those groups but this is a conversation that that needs to continue to happen and i'm so happy that it's not just the united states i'm so happy that it's worldwide i'm so happy that the professional athletes black white japanese otherwise are all on board with it and uh you know it's making waves and i'm glad they're bringing attention to this to this idea now how would you address that since you as a coach with your team you know that's that's a good question i haven't had the chance to address this with my teammate because i don't think i've figured out a way how i can address it most of the kids that i currently coach are white boys and girls most of them i want to say maybe 95% of the kids that i coach and we obviously come from different background so i haven't really formulated a plan yet to address this issue where it is not going to offend anybody so until i do uh i don't want to just put it out there because i want to i want to have a plan so that when i get questions i can i'm able to answer these questions right Right. Uh, it's a sensitive topic. You, you're going to definitely ruffle some feathers, so you have to be very careful uh, and have a plan how you're going to, you know, how you're going to approach this topic. Have any of your players reached out to you about the topic? No, no, nobody. Uh, maybe I've had an ex-player who reached out to me with similar question, like how how can we how can we address the dress this club wide even though he, he's not he's no longer with the club uh this is a kid who you know he, he has a african american mom and uh i'm sorry african american dad and a white mom so this is something that touched close to home and he wanted to you know he him and his dad both wanted to find ways where we can address this with the club and we're still working on ways where we can you know bring attention to this in a good way uh, hopefully we will do that soon Okay, last question. I promise this is the last one. No worries, Boise. Yeah. What advice would you give to 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 young coaches who want to be involved first of all in the youth game, ODP and the college game? That's a good question. First I'll say you need to get a mentor. Or somebody that you look up to who's uh you know who's currently a coach. What is the coach at the youth level? ODP level whether it's a coach at the collegiate level um you must do that first and and for me you know some of those mentors that I had you know like I mentioned Matt Johnson to you a while back uh it was this was a guy who was a a teammate of mine at one point and then became my coach and eventually became my colleague where we worked together uh somebody that I look up to uh Mark Zassi who's been a pillar in this community uh somebody that I that I've admired for years as well as a as a coach and a person uh the Cicluna family uh I play for those guys and 
they, they, they again they, they have a lot of things to do with soccer in this in this community and you know my college coaches obviously um so yeah find a mentor somebody that you can call and say hey i, I want to do this what do i need to do and then like i said earlier you need to go through the process of getting your licenses right you, you just have to there's there's really no way around it if you want to be a good coach um whether it's in the college game or youth game you got to get certified uh the right way learn how to teach the game the way it needs to be taught and i think if you can do those two things you know you're on your way to to changing lives on the soccer field for sure now do you have any ambitions of going to the pro game i do not um i, I don't and I, I i tell you why you know soccer has been so good to me uh i, I told you past 30 minutes we've been talking that you you realize everything that's been good in my life has to do with soccer right and i want to use this game to change lives and i feel like the way i can do it i can do it more at the current level i'm in what is youth and college than i will be doing it doing it as a professional coach so i, I like where i'm at right now um coaching youth soccer and collegiate soccer because i think i can make the most difference uh within those two areas than I would as a professional coach. Uh, again, I'm, this is not a knock on professional coaches, uh, but I think that in the way I want to be known and the accomplishments I want to have as a coach, I can make things happen at, the, at these two levels, college and youth soccer. Mr. Samson, thank you for your time, man. I really enjoyed it, uh, especially when you talked about the Civil War, man. I did not know it was that crazy. Yeah, man. You know, uh, you gotta appreciate life. Yes, we do. I to. do. I do, man. Yeah, you have to, man. Um, but yeah, it's been nice chatting with you, boy. Z, Z, Z. <laughs> nice chatting with you, man. Thanks for having me on, bro. Uh, I, I like what you're doing. I, I'm gonna try to listen as often as I can, man. But uh, good luck to you in the podcast, my friend. All right. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. Shop, shop. Yeah, shop, shop. <laughs> 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 thanks for listening to telling our football stories and thanks to Walter for telling his story with us have a great day <laughs>